experienced in our city what has been called the worst mass shooting in the history of our nation. And I was not even aware of that until I got home from church and laid down on the couch and grabbed my remote control and turned the TV on. There was something inside of me that was so very, very sad that we did not even mention that in our service last Sunday. And then pondering on that and thinking about that throughout the week, I have come to the conclusion that God is sovereign and that God always has a plan and that it was in God's plan that we wait and spend a little time reflecting on that this Sunday. And so we're going to change things up just a little bit this Sunday and uh, spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to draw us together, reveal Himself to us, reveal His truth, and give us a comfort and a peace that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing a great, great song here in just a moment. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then after that song, Arthur has prepared a really, really neat video that I think that you're going, it's very touching and... uh, We're going to watch that video together, and then I want to share just a few words with you before we have a time of prayer together, a prayer uh, for our city and a prayer for each other. And uh, then we're going to uh, sing another incredible, wonderful worship song that is one of your very, very favorites, and then we're going to worship the Lord through giving. And then, dads, I hadn't forgotten about you. We're going to honor you this morning, Father's Day, uh, with a short video and a few words, and then I want to share with you again just a little bit this morning uh, from Acts chapter 2 and what it means to be devoted, and, um, and then we'll close out our service. And I'm excited about it. Would you believe me if I told you it just wouldn't be the same if you weren't here? I'm glad that you're here, and I'm asking God to do something very, very special in our midst. Y'all understand, don't you? God is here. He is here in this place. He's here with us. And you understand, don't you? He didn't come just to sit in the pews and listen. No, he's moving among his people and he's speaking to us and he's leading us and he's ministering to us. But we have a responsibility in that to offer our hearts to him, to open up our hearts to anticipate hearing from him and receiving from him. That's why we begin our service with a word of prayer, asking him to prepare our hearts, to fellowship with him, to be with him, to be ministered to by him, to be led by him, and to worship him. And I ask you, if you would, to join me as we go to the Lord in prayer, asking him to accomplish this in our lives. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, We believe, Lord, that you have something special for us today. We don't want to miss out on that. We want to hear from you. We want to experience your presence. There are those here in this room who so desperately need to sense your arms around them, holding them close. There are those, Lord, searching for answers There are those, Lord, who just need the fellowship of other believers. We ask you to accomplish all of that in our lives. But Lord, ultimately, we didn't come here for us. We came here for you. 
So we pray that you would be exalted and lifted up, that you would be pleased with all that takes place here. We give you ourselves in this time of worship, excited, anticipating of how you will reveal yourself to us. We love you, Lord Jesus. You are our King, and we pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand, everybody standing. Before we worship in song this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to greet those around you, so put a smile on your face and turn to somebody and say, Happy Father's Day. Arthur and I watched that video earlier in the week after he had put it together, and when it finished, we were kind of speechless. The only words that came to my mind were, you know, Jesus died for all of those people. The voice that you heard singing that song in Christ Alone was the voice of Christina Grimmie, whose life was taken from her last Friday night after a concert. Well, there's been a lot of suffering this past week, wouldn't you say? Starting last Friday night with Christina's murder and then Sunday morning, the incredible tragedy that we all know so much about now. And the young boy out at Disney loses his life, two years old, in our community, a stabbing on, I think, Thursday morning. Just, and that's what we know about, you know? I, I think that you would agree with me that suffering is certain that we all are going to experience suffering in our lives. Almost invariably, when I want to learn God's perspective on suffering, I always go to the book of Job. It seems to be the quintessential literary, in-depth truth about suffering. And there's so much that could be said about what that book teaches us. But I wanted to share with you just really one thing this morning. Arthur, Arthur was right. Job experienced incredible suffering. Job was a righteous man, the Bible tells us. He was a wealthy man, the Bible tells us. And in the first chapter of Job, in the course of just one chapter, he loses everything. He loses his wealth. He loses his business. He loses his family. He loses his health. And his response is an incredible lesson for all of us. Job chapter 1 and verses 20 through 21, Job heard the news of his loss and he arose and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he worshiped and he said naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there the Lord gave the Lord has taken away blessed be the name of the Lord and in these words I I see an understanding of Job about grace an understanding that everything that he had was a gift from God, really belonged to God. 
that God had, had given him these things to be a steward of them. And Job's focus, Job built his life on God. That was the foundation of his life. And that's an important lesson for us today, folks, because I want you to know that, that when we build our life on things, and suffering is the loss of things, and when we build our life on things, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a possession, suffering will cause us to get sadder and matter. But when we build our life on Jesus Christ, suffering will draw us closer to Him. And He is the source of comfort. And He is the source of peace. And He is the source of restoration. We need each other. Will and I had the joy, opportunity to go to the soccer match last night, a full stadium. I was just taken aback by the unity of this crowd. 40,000 people. And everybody seemed to be together. And everybody seemed to care about one another. And everybody seemed to want to be involved in one another's life because suffering brings us together like that we we need each other and we need to be ministers of jesus during a time like this in our community and in our city i believe the bible i believe it where it says that god is able to work all things together for our good and for his glory I believe that he is in control. I believe that he has a plan. I know that there is a God. The skeptics would say that events like this that happen in our lives, they're just random events. Things like this just happen. We just have to learn to deal with them because there is no God. There is nobody in control. There is nobody orchestrating things, and that is not true. I have heard people, religious people, people in the church say that, that this event is a result of, of God punishing people for their sin. And I want you to know this morning, nothing could be further from the truth. That is not the way our God works. The reality is, is that when suffering comes, we want to know why. It's the first question. We want to know why. Why did this happen? And why was it him? And why not me? And why, why, why? And you know what? All throughout the book of Job, God never explains to Job why. And I think that we have to become comfortable with not having the answer to that question, why? But just looking to Jesus and asking him for his ministry in our lives and asking him how he might want to work through us during a time of suffering for so many who live around us. We're going to have a time of prayer. And then we're going to sing a song. In the late 1800s, there was a gentleman who lived 
who had a story that is eerily similar to Job's. His name was Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. He lived in the late 1800s. He was a righteous man. He was a wealthy man. He was married to a lady named Anna. And they had a little boy and they had four girls. Well, in the course of their life together, their little boy died. Tragically, unexpectedly, they lost their little boy. Very shortly after that, in 1871, his business was wiped out as a result of the great Chicago fire. Everything that he had invested in and everything that he had owned, and it was just gone. Keeping his focus on the Lord, he wanted to take his family to an evangelistic crusade that was happening in Europe and use that as a time of getting away and a time of vacation. So he put his wife and his four girls on a ship headed to Europe, and he stayed in Chicago for just a few days to finish up some business. After they had been gone for just a few days, he received word that the ship had a collision, had collided with another ship, and his four girls had drowned. Anna was the only survivor from his family, and so he boarded a ship himself to go and be with his grieving wife. And it was on the deck of that ship, watching the rolling waves, that he penned these words, sorrows like sea billows roll, but it is well with my soul. His foundation was built on Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to stand and join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Listen, I want to be honest with you. I don't even know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. So I ask the Holy Spirit to pray for me. I ask you to join me in praying. I ask you to pray how the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. I want us to pray for our city. Jesus is the God of this city. I want us to pray for our city, and I want us to pray for our community, and I want us to pray for our church, and I want us to pray for our families. I'm going to give you just a moment of silence so that you can pray, and then I'll, I'll kind of close us out. Then we're going to sing this great, great song together. It is well with my soul. Pray with me if you would. Please take a minute and just lift up your heart to the Lord. Give you a great big round of applause. Tell you, that is sincere. We want you to know that you're loved, and we want you to know that you're needed here. We're glad you're here. You need to be here. It's been said that on Mother's Day, we honor mothers and cherish mothers and lift mothers up, and on Father's Day, we beat dads up. And I don't want to do that.
this morning, dads, but I do want to be an encouragement to you because I believe that according to God's blueprint, the spiritual well-being of your home is your responsibility. And I want you to know that according to God's blueprint, the spiritual well-being of this church, this ecclesia, this gathering of believers, this local body is really your responsibility. And it, the responsibility is not fulfilled by getting a seminary degree and constantly teaching. It's more fulfilled by how you live your life because people are watching and dads your children are watching and i just want to encourage you i want to encourage you to be the example that you need to be so that they would know that the center point of your life the foundation of your life is built on the person of jesus christ and your children, they, they need to see you reading Scripture, and they need to see you praying, and they need to see you serving, and they need to see you involved in the ministries of the church. They need to see you caring about other people and involving yourself in other people's lives. They need to see you doing that because they are most likely going to follow you in your lifestyle and in your behavior. One of the things that I am so very sure of is that it is impossible, dads, for you to do that by yourself. I know that I need help. I'm constantly evaluating my dadhood, my fatherhood, and man, I don't get good grades. But I'm glad I'm a part of this body of believers. I'm glad I can call Dr. Nair and say, man, I'm struggling with Will in this area. Have you struggled with that with Josh? Can you help me? Can you give me some counsel? Can you pray with me? I'm glad that I can call John Malloy and say, man, I, I don't know what to do about this. Help me with this. And I, I could name Greg. I could name so many men who were here, rich, done, that, that I know are there for me, that will help me, that will pray with me, that will encourage me, that will give me counsel. And listen, I need that. And dads, so do you. We have an incredible responsibility. Our, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I think it's 1 Corinthians 4, is one of the several places that he says, hey, watch what I do and do what I do. He said to, he said, he said to the church of Corinth, really, I'm, I'm kind of your dad. You, you need to watch what I'm doing, and, and you do the same thing. I, imitate me. The only reason that he's able to say that is because he had his eyes on Jesus and was watching Jesus and was doing what Jesus did. So the question would become, dads, are you watchworthy? Are you worthy of being imitated? We need each other in that. I pray for you in that. I want the men's ministry, I, I want the men of, of Avalon Church to be leaders. And I want us to set 
the example. We do that by relying on each other, which leads me to this passage. Let me mention Joshua to you because I asked Vic to put this up on the screen. The end of Joshua's life, all of the battles had been won. They had claimed the land. All of the people had gathered together and they were fixing to receive their inheritance. They were fixing to take possession of the land, but Joshua had this word for them. Very end of the book of Joshua. He said, people, you have got to decide who you're going to serve. Now, you're going out into this land and the people groups that are still there and they have their gods, are you going to serve their gods? Or are you going to serve the one true God? And then he made this declaration. And this is the, the declaration every dad ought to be able to make. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And ultimately, that falls on us, guys. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need each other in order to do that. I see a perfect example of that in what we've been talking about in Acts chapter 2 and this early church. I don't know how you draw a picture of, of what that church looked like in that first century. The Bible says that 40 days after Jesus had been resurrected, had been raised from the dead, and after he had ascended into heaven, that a small group of 120 people were gathered together and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Jesus had promised them that the Holy Spirit would come, and he said to them, when he comes, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And his promise came true, and they received this Holy Spirit. And immediately they had this incredible boldness to go out and tell people about Jesus, to go out and preach. And Peter went to the temple courts and he began to preach about Jesus. And a great, great, great crowd gathered. And he preached from the Old Testament and he used the Old Testament and he pointed to Jesus. And he ends his sermon by saying this, I'm telling you the truth, you need to believe this. This one whom you crucified is the Messiah. He is God. He was God in human flesh, and you crucified him. And the Bible says that when they heard this, this great crowd of people, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they called out to Peter, and they said, Peter, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. Turn from the old way and turn to the new way. Turn from religion. Turn to relationship with Jesus. Repent and be baptized today, and you too will receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says on that day, 3,000 people trusted in Jesus. 3,000 people repented. 3,000 people got baptized. 3,000 people received a brand new life. And the next verse says that, that they were together. And they were devoted. They were devoted to what the apostles were teaching and they were devoted to the breaking of bread, which is communion. And they were devoted to the prayers and they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to each other. They had all things in common. 
Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about those 3,120 people, but I want to tell you what it wasn't. They didn't leave the city of Jerusalem and go out into the, the side of some mountain and set up some commune and live there just them, where they had all things in common and they just took care of each other and their whole thought and their whole passion and their devotion was to one another and that was all. Among this 3,120 people were, were maintenance workers and teachers and accountants and lawyers and doctors and tax collectors and homemakers. There were children running around everywhere. There were schools to go to. There was homework to be done. I imagine there was probably some kind of Little League. I imagine that in the mornings he would say to her, you're going to take the kids to Little League? And she goes, I'm not going to be able to do that because we got piano lessons over here. And I mean, it was, it was just like us. It was just like us. But they were devoted the Bible says in, in, in Acts 2.42 that they, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which centered on this truth. Love God. Love each other. And even love your enemy. That was the, the bulk. That was the, the, the cornerstone. That was the foundation. That was what the apostles taught. When we say love God, it, 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 it's inclusive of so much. Because how we live our lives is how we love God. How we live and what we say and where we go, that's all how we love God. How we give, that's how we love God. How we serve, that's how we love God. And so there was much to teach, but it's important to understand that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the apostles' teaching was about loving God, loving others, and loving their enemies. They were continually devoting themselves to that. In the midst of living life, in the midst of, of work, in the midst of raising children, they were devoted to that. And it says that they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to the ecclesia. I'm telling you again that last night I was just really kind of overwhelmed with the way that people kind of came together at this at this great venue, this 40,000 plus people, and there just seemed to be this, this heart, this spirit of unity, and there seemed to be this, this boldness of reaching out and speaking to people who you didn't know. That was just, that's, that's, what, that's what suffering brings, that's what tragedy brings. Well, listen, if it can happen in a, at a ball game, don't you think it ought to be able to happen here? Don't you think that that's how we ought to live? That we ought to have that kind of transparency with one another. That we ought to depend on one another. We ought, to, we ought to worship together. That that's important. That it's got to go well beyond. You know, we had fellowship this morning. I said, hey, turn to somebody and, 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 and say happy Father's Day. You know, I time it was 40 seconds. We had 40 seconds of fellowship. So we kind of got that base covered. That's not what this is talking about. 
This is talking about involving ourselves in each other's lives. Being available to each other and serving one another. Caring for one another. It's a, it's a devotion. This, this word devotion means, means to be set aside for something specific. People are, are devoted, but you, you know, a piano can be devoted. We can say, we're going to devote this piano There's, to only worshiping God. That's the only thing it can be used for. It's devoted for that. So you can't play any of your hip-hop on there, and you can't play any of your 50s and 60s. You can't, it's just for worshiping Jesus. That's, it's devoted. And that's what that means here. They, they were devoted. They were, they were set apart and they were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the fellowship. They needed one another. This was a time when if someone trusted in Jesus as their Savior and they repented and they got baptized, you know what? They might go home that night and their family say to them, you're not welcome here anymore. They might lose their job. Because people were, were afraid of the, of the religious authorities of, of the day and, and how they might react if, if there was one of those new believers in their I mean, some people got kicked. They needed each other. And folks, I want you to know we need each other. And it's got to go beyond the superficial. It's got to go beyond a pat on the back. And how's the weather? And how you feeling? And... I'm praying for you. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to be a, a, a devotion. The Bible says that on that day, 3,000 people repented and got baptized. Now, I want to ask you something. Can that happen today? Do you really, really, really think that can happen today? We got more than 120 people in this room. There was only 120 people at that church service. I believe God can do that today. And, and, and I believe that we have the same resource that they had. We got more resources than they had. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. I, I take that to mean communion. I think that that is absolutely vital and important. It's not just the act of taking communion. It's the body and blood of Jesus Christ that they devoted themselves to. And ultimately, folks, listen to me, ultimately, that is the thing that unites us, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to suggest that everything else is just details. That we're to be devoted and give ourselves to, wholly to, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the worship of Jesus Christ. That's where our unity lies. That's what binds us together. We can disagree on everything else, but we can't disagree on that. The body and blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus that takes away our sins, the blood of Jesus that purchases purchases for us his righteousness, the blood of Jesus that, 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 that gives us 
uh, audience with God that allows us to approach God, that allows us to be with God, to talk with God, to listen to God, to hear from God, to worship God. It's the body and blood of Jesus that allows that. That's the only thing. That's the unity. That's the main thing. That's the most important thing. We don't have to... to, to, to um, Make our website better. It doesn't matter who's preaching or who's singing or what time the service is. We can disagree on all of those things, but we can't disagree on the breaking of bread and what that represents, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'll build my church. You devote yourself to me. You give yourself to me. It can happen today. It can happen today. When 120 are controlled by the Spirit of God and devoted to the Word of God and devoted to each other and devoted to this notion that there's nothing else that matters except the body and blood of Jesus Christ and they devoted themselves to prayer. I got a feeling that this wasn't casual kind of prayer. I got a feeling this was fervent prayer. We're getting better at that, but we don't do a very good job of praying around here. You know, prayer in and of itself, prayer is, is nothing more than an expression of total dependence on God. Praying is saying, I need you, God whether we're praying and worshiping Him and praising Him and exalting Him, it's saying, I need you, God. Or whether we're, we're praying for a, a deep, deep need in our own lives, a financial need, a relational need, an emotional need, it's saying, I need you, God. I need you involved in this. I love it when my son comes to me and he says, here's what I need, I need this. I don't like him to sit in his room needing something and not come and, and share that need with me. And our God the Father is the same way. He says, come boldly to my throne. Make your petitions known. I want to be involved. Depend on me. Come to me. They devoted themselves to that. And that's who we are. That's who we are. I was listening to a, a sermon. Um, my buddy out in California, the Chinese guy, Francis Chan, that's right. You listened to him too. He was talking, he was talking about um, he was talking about our relationships with one another. He was talking about the church, the local church body. He was talking about the gathering, the ecclesia. He said, you know, I, it, there was a day when you could, as the Bible does, you, you could kind of draw a parallel between the church family and, and, and family. He said, you really can't do that anymore because the family's kind of, you know, people leave the family nowadays. They're not really devoted to the family as shameful as that is. He said, so I, I, I've kind of come up with a, another thing. He said, I think we ought to think of it as a gang. Like joining a gang. You don't lead the gang. 
And the gang, you know, they have each other's back. You better not talk about anybody in the gang. You know, and, and, and they, they don't say, hey, you going to gang this morning? No, that's their life. They're devoted to that. I, I believe that, that when we can come together like that, you know, church isn't a, isn't a time that, like going to a movie, you know, you, don't, you go to the movie, you watch the movie, you're there for an hour and 20 minutes, you leave the movie, you, you evaluate the movie, hey, what did you think about that? Yeah, it could have been a little longer, yeah, it could have been a little shorter, yeah, I thought it was too cool in there, I thought it was too hot in there, I thought it was too loud, oh, they started late, uh, you know, they evaluate the movie, that's not what church is. Not when you're devoted to the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Man, we're, we're here to worship, and we're here to, to, to be devoted to one another, and we're here to, 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 to find this commonality, this, this thing that binds us together, Jesus. We're in a gang. We're in a gang. We need each other. Let me invite you to stand, everybody standing. Let's worship a little bit, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for loving us. Lord, we, we confess where we fall short. I stand at the front of that line. I'm glad you look at me and you go, Dale, I love you anyway. I love you no matter what. Lord, help us to experience that love, your love in our lives, so that we might be able to love each other beyond the superficial, a sacrificial service. Lord, we, um, we would love to be able to experience in this place, through this body, the, the supernatural, the unexplainable. 3,000 coming to know you as Savior in one day would be a great start. But Lord, we don't have the faith to ask you to do that. Grow us in our faith. Lord, during this time, we again ask you for your peace that passes all understanding. We ask you for your comfort. We pray to you because we need you. We depend on you. Be involved in our lives. Guide us and lead us. As we, as we go from this place today, I, I pray, Lord, that, that we would walk with you as we go and that you would use us so that we might experience the supernatural, so that we might honor you and give you glory and praise. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. We praise you for that. Arthur, lead us. You are.